Praise the Lord. All praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. If you're thankful that Jesus has forgiven you and saves you today, say amen. So grateful for that and thankful for the privilege that we have of just worshiping him this morning. And uh, he is worthy of all of our praise. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn together to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we continue our series this morning entitled Jesus Encounters. And uh, as I shared with you last week, over these next few weeks up until um, Easter, we're going to be just looking at different encounters in Scripture that people had with Jesus and the difference that Jesus made in their life as a result of an encounter with him. Aren't you glad that Jesus is still having encounters with people today and making a difference, a lasting difference in their life. If you're glad for that, say amen. Glad for that this morning. And as we look at these encounters, I just want to remind you that what Jesus did in the lives of others, he will do for you. He's no respecter of persons this morning. And we praise God for that. Luke chapter 5, a little background as we kind of jump into this this morning. We're looking at the calling of one of Jesus' disciples by the name of Levi. He was also known as, as Matthew, the, the, man, the, the man who would eventually author the first book in the New Testament. So we're going to look at his story today. This encounter with Matthew obviously happens very early in Jesus' ministry because he's still in the process, right, of calling disciples. So it's very early in his ministry. He's been healing. He's been casting out evil spirits. He's been doing some incredible things. News is traveling around very quickly about the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Jesus has moved home base from Nazareth to Capernaum. He's now living in Capernaum. And uh, it's here in Jesus' new hometown where the story takes place. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 27. It starts out like this. After this, and so we have to stop and say, after what? Jesus had just healed uh, the paralyzed man, okay? So as soon as this healing takes place, Jesus went out, left that place where this great healing happens, and it says he went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. Him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had belonged to their sect complained to, uh, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon your word again today. We're thankful for the faithfulness of your Holy Spirit to bring your word alive and to help us to understand it in better ways. And this morning, we pray for that once again. Help us to hear, help us to understand, and help our lives to be changed because of this truth that we hear today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our passage shares with us this encounter between uh, Jesus and this man named Levi. Levi was his Jewish name. But Matthew was his Roman name, and Matthew is the name I'll be referring to uh, him as today throughout our time together. Um, but Matthew, he, uh, he worked for the Romans. Even though he was a Jew, he worked for the Romans and collected taxes from the citizens there in Capernaum, as well as the merchants that would come and go and pass through um, the city. Uh, just this information tells us 
a few things about Matthew. Just knowing that he was a tax collector tells us some things about him. First is this, Matthew would have been deeply hated by the other Jews, and really for a few reasons. One, because of his support for Rome, uh, and, and Jews hated Romans because of their oppression, and so automatically if you supported the Roman government in any way and were a Jew, you were hated by your fellow Jews. Uh, and also, um, any Jew that worked for, for uh, them or was in good, good standing with them would have been despised. But another reason was that Matthew was able to keep commission on the taxes that he collected. So for every dollar that he collected from you, he could keep a commission on that. But on top of that, most tax collectors would have also charged you above and beyond what they should have charged you, and they would keep that too. So for a period of a long time, Matthew had been really extorting money from the people, from his brothers and sisters, fellow Jews, right there in the, in the area. This meant that he was cheating and that he was a swindler, right? With all that said, it's very likely that, that none of the 12 disciples were more of a notorious sinner than Matthew was, right? I mean, this guy was not in good standing with any of the Jews in this city. So here's the reality. Everyone in Capernaum knew Matthew, and not because of his good reputation, right? But because of his bad reputation. They knew his past. They knew where Matthew sat every day on the street corner in an elevated tax booth so he could see everyone that would come and that would go. They knew Matthew. The reality is this, even Jesus knew Matthew. So this was not the first time that he would have met Jesus and this not, is not the first encounter that Jesus would have had with him. But today would be different. The encounter that Jesus would have with Matthew on this day would be different than any encounter he would have ever had before. When Jesus walks up to Matthew and says two simple words, follow me, follow me. Two words are more than an invitation. Jesus wasn't just inviting Matthew, Jesus was calling Matthew, follow me. And these two words, this encounter with Jesus would make an eternal impact on Matthew. So let's think about a few things together this morning. First thing I want you to think about with me is this. This call to follow Jesus is universal. This call to follow Jesus is universal. Look at verse 27 with me again. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus says to him. We read this verse and we think very quickly that this would have been a very personal call to Matthew specifically for him. And the reality is that's very true. This particular call was specific to Matthew as he's sitting there. But while this calling is very personal, I want you to understand this morning that this calling to follow Jesus is universal. It's for every single person hearing my voice today. But even greater than that, it's for every single person who has ever been born. Jesus says, I want I want everyone to come to salvation. I want everyone to know me. I want everyone to follow me. If you're thankful for the call of Jesus on your life to follow him today, say amen. It's a universal call for us all. In fact, Jesus is passing by right now today. Aren't you glad he's with us this morning? And through his spirit, he reaches out to us and he speaks to us. Aren't you glad Jesus speaks today? I shouldn't say it, but regardless of popular opinion, 
Jesus is speaking today. He's calling today. And in his grace, he calls out to us. He looks beyond who we are and what we've done, and he extends our call to him, each and every one of us to follow him. And Jesus' desire for us, his deepest desire for us this morning, is for us to accept that call. Jesus gave his life on the cross, as we just sang about. Calvary covers it all. He did that so he could reach out to you and extend this call to you, and through his Holy Spirit, draw you to him and let you know that he loves you today. He wants you to follow him. Peter, another one of Jesus' disciples in his first sermon, after Jesus' death and resurrection on the day the Holy Spirit came, the day we refer to as the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a sermon that day, and he told the crowd this, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, kind of jumping into this middle of his sermon. Here's what he says. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received the forgiveness of your sins. Then, he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, listen to what he says. Standing in Jerusalem... Surrounded by Jews from every nation, but also many Gentiles were gathered there this day. Hear what Peter says to them. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. What promise? The promise of forgiveness. The promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise that we can follow Jesus with all of our heart. Peter is saying it's for everyone who will accept it. All who have called on the name, uh, all who have been called by the Lord our God. All. Aren't you glad you're part of the universal call of Jesus Christ today? Everyone. He doesn't pick and choose. We pick and choose. Jesus doesn't pick and choose. He doesn't judge us by where we are. We sang a song today, did you notice? Jesus, hope of the United States. No. Jesus, hope of the nations. Aren't you glad that no matter where you are all around the globe, the call of Jesus Christ to follow him is for us all? If you're glad for that, say amen. Why do you think we, we raised money for alabaster? Why do you think it's on our heart to build churches and homes for missionaries and hospitals and all kinds? Why is that on our hearts? Because Jesus is the hope of the nations. We pick and choose too many times. We judge. But Jesus doesn't judge based on where we are or what, we, what we're doing or what we look like or what we've said or not said. He doesn't judge us based on anything that other people tend to judge us by. Aren't you glad this morning? It's amazing grace is offered to us all. None of us is exempt. Not one of us is exempt. No matter what. Jesus sees everyone the same as sinners in need of a Savior. I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And in response to that prayer, Jesus comes to us all. If you're glad his grace has been extended to everyone, say amen. I want you to watch a video clip with me that I think will help us capture it a little more broadly this morning. Watch.
It's a reminder for us this morning that we have no right to write people off because Jesus didn't write me off. And he didn't write you off. And so often when we look at other people, especially if they're a lot different from us or believe different from us, the tendency can be to walk on by. Can I just remind you, Matthew was a tax collector. Can I just remind you that the people who were following Jesus would have walked by him as far away as they could have. And yet Jesus walks up to him. Jesus walks up to Matthew and he saw someone in Matthew that needed God's grace and his mercy and love. He saw one, someone in Matthew that needed the forgiveness of a Savior. And so while everybody was walking as far away as they could, Jesus completely blows their minds. Can I just tell you, we read through this story and we go, okay, another disciple, great, and we move on to the next story. This blew their minds this day. Jesus walks up to the most notorious sinner in Capernaum and he looks him in the eye and he says, follow me. In his grace and his mercy and his love, Jesus reaches out to Matthew and he reaches out to you and he reaches out to me. May Jesus, I don't know how else to say it, blow the doors off of our minds. May we walk back into the workplace this week and instead of walking around those people, that person, you know who I'm talking about. May we begin to extend the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of grace that Jesus has extended to us. And everyone said, God help us. God help me. God help me. Open my eyes to see the Matthews around me. His call is universal. His grace is amazing. And he wants to extend it through you into the lives of others around you. And yet so often we make excuses for ourselves and others why we are beyond the, the grace of Jesus Christ. There's no way that Jesus could ever save me. There's no way that I could ever be forgiven. If you only knew what I have done, We'll make those excuses for ourselves, but we'll also look at others and judge them and say, I don't see how God could ever reach them. I don't see how he could ever change their life. I mean, I know things about them. Let me just tell you the story, right? And so we tell the story about them instead of telling the story to them. God, help us not to make excuses, but to realize today the second thing that Matthew found out. The call to follow Jesus is greater than your past. If you're glad for that this morning, say amen. amen. She'd be the biggest amen of the day right there. It's greater than our past. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Jesus, did you catch it? He went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. If we stop the story right there, we would never write, if we really captured what this story was telling us, we would never write the next Jesus response. We would write something like this. We would say, when he saw him, he went to him and said, stop feeding, stop feeding, stop cheating your fellow brothers and sisters, right? Stop doing that. It's not the right thing. Stop cheating them the way that you're cheating him. He would have condemned him, right? That's, what, that's how the story should go. Put Matthew in his place, get him to shape up and fly right, right? But that's not what Jesus does. Who Matthew was did not detour Jesus at all 
from this call being extended to him. His past, think about it, his past, Matthew's past, was no match for Jesus' ability to extend him grace and to give him a new start. That's what salvation is all about. That's why we celebrate the new birth in Christ. You hear the term being born again? It's all about starting over fresh, right? That's the kind of grace that's extended to us by Jesus. We get a brand new start. Aren't you glad? The past is forgiven and forgotten. John 3, 16, we quote quite often, right? John 3, 17, the very next verse, reminds us of this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus doesn't come to condemn you. He comes to say, today is the day. Follow me. Let me take care through my grace your past. Matthew had cheated and he'd stole and he'd swindled and he'd taken advantage and been selfish. He'd been likely excommunicated from his family because of all these decisions that he had made. He probably, uh, most commentators agree that he probably used thugs to go and collect the money that people wouldn't pay that they owed. I mean, this guy was the worst of the worst. People didn't talk to Matthew unless they absolutely had to. And as I've already said, when they would go near him, they would often take the long way around just to avoid this guy. So I have to tell you, the last thing that Matthew was expecting to happen this day when Jesus is walking toward this tax collector booth, the last thing Matthew was expecting for Jesus to say was, hey, follow me. The encounter with Jesus... The last thing we expect him to say is follow me. Why? Because I know what I've done. And because he knows what I've done. The last thing I expect him to say is follow me. But that's exactly what he got. Not condemned, but called. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is not here today to condemn you. He's here to call you. Call you to himself. Extending his grace to him. Jesus' call was greater than Matthew's past and it's greater than my past and it's greater than your past. We let the enemy so often accuse us and keep us living in bondage instead of embracing the freedom that comes from the gift of grace that Jesus Christ gives us. We need to dwell on the freedom and the promises of Jesus. When he says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, I want to remind you this morning that if we've accepted Christ, if we've received that grace, we are free in him today. Aren't you glad? Don't let Satan accuse you. Jesus has set you free. Some time ago I heard a story of a, a youngster who was shooting rocks with a slingshot. And no matter how hard this young guy tried, I mean, he just could not hit the target. He tried over and over again, just couldn't do it. So he was walking back to his grandma's house, kind of up the, the back lane, and he looked over and uh, he saw his uh, grandma's uh, pet duck. And on impulse, he just reared that slingshot back and, and let that rock fly, and that rock hit the duck, and the duck died. The boy panicked, and he ran over and he grabbed the bird and he hid it in the wood pile there by the not too far from the house and as he stood up and turned around and began to walk toward the house he saw his sister standing about 15 feet from him and she had seen the whole thing happen that day after lunch sister didn't say much 
A day after lunch, Grandma told his sister Sally to help with the dishes, and Sally responded, Johnny told me he wanted to help you wash the dishes today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she walked over by where Johnny was seated and leaned up and whispered in his ear, Remember the duck. So Johnny got up and washed the dishes. What choice did he have? For the next several weeks, he was at the sink often. Sometimes because it was his turn, sometimes because of what he had done. Sally would whisper when he would object to doing them, remember the duck, remember the duck. Finally, Johnny grew so weary of all the extra chores that he decided that any punishment that grandma would dish out would be better than washing more dishes. So he went to his grandma and he confessed to what he had done. Johnny's grandma listened to his confession and kind of pulled him up on her lap. And she said, I know, Johnny, all about it. She gave him a hug and she said, I was standing at the window that day when all of this happened. I, I saw the whole thing. And because I love you, I forgave you. I just wondered how long you'd let Sally make a slave out of you. Think about it. He was pardoned. He was forgiven. But because he had listened to the words of his accuser, he lived in the guilt and bondage instead of freedom that could come just by going to the one who loved him. So many of us can relate, right? We've been forgiven of our sin, but we spend a lot of time listening to the words of an accuser instead of living in the freedom that Jesus Christ offers. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And everyone says, glad for that this morning. We don't have to remember any more. It would have been easy for Matthew, think about it, it would have been easy for Matthew to live in the bondage of his accusers. A line of accusers would have formed in Capernaum on that day, right? A line of people coming to accuse him of all of the things that he had done. The line would have been long, but the reality is Jesus in his grace overlooked all of that. He called Matthew and in that moment, he was no longer a tax collector. He was no longer an extorter or a swindler. In that moment, Matthew became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He changed completely right then. I'm thankful for a God who loves us so much that he doesn't just forgive us, but he sets us free and we become new in him. You don't have to be defined by your past. You need to be defined by the call of Jesus Christ on your life and respond accordingly. Notice how Matthew responds here. The call of, to follow Jesus demands a continual response, okay? Levi, it says, got up, left everything and followed him. Notice the progression. He got up, right? He got up. He, he walked away from everything that he had known. When Jesus called him, Matthew didn't stay where he was any longer, but he got up. He moved. He responded, right? Why is it so hard? I just thought about this this week. Why is it so hard for us to respond when Jesus calls? Why is it so hard for us to respond when Jesus calls us to follow him? So many of us, you can think about times in your life where you've sensed the Lord calling you and you've waited and you've held on and you've, and you've held back. Why do we wait so long? I think about my kids when it's time to get out of bed. Right? Or some of us when it's time to get out of bed. 
Right? What do we do? We put it off. We hit the snooze button. We wait, and we wait, and we wait. Why do we wait when Jesus calls us? Matthew, he, he got up. He got up, and he responded. We don't want to put things off when Jesus is calling. But not only does he get up, he leaves everything. He walked away from who he had been. He, he left everything behind. Jesus called him, think about it, just as he was. Jesus calls him just as he was. And, and Matthew gets up and he lets go of everything that's behind. When we hear these words that Matthew left everything, we immediately maybe think about all that, that, that a call to follow Jesus can entail. We might, it might scare us a little bit because we think, leave everything, and we begin to think about people maybe who have left everything they own. Maybe they have sold everything. Maybe they've moved to a mission field, sold their house, left everything, walked away. And, and, and for some of us, when we think about that, how could I ever leave everything? But I want to remind you today that while that is occasionally what Christ calls us to, more times than not, Jesus calling us to leave everything means simply this. He wants us to leave everything in our life that stands in opposition to him. He called him to leave everything, everything in his life that stood in opposition to Jesus. He wants us to leave behind our sinful actions and our sinful attitudes and our sinful activities with his help, right? With his help, he helps us. But Matthew must have found himself, as I thought about this, he must have found himself in a cycle of defeat because a lot of times this is where we find ourselves. In a cycle of defeat, he had no one to turn to. He had no one to, to reach out to that would have understood what he was facing and how he felt. No hope of ever really changing direction. Have you ever felt that way? Like there's just no hope, no way out. That's where Matthew was. And Jesus passes by. And in a moment, he gives him the opportunity he's been looking for. Everything can change. Things can be made brand new. And he breaks free because Jesus extends the call. I want you to know this morning that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in him, Jesus calling us to follow, that we can leave everything behind that stands in opposition to him with his help and follow him. I wonder, are there attitudes? Are there actions? Are there activities in your life that you need to walk away from and follow Jesus? That's what Matthew did. But his response doesn't end there. He got up, he left everything, and this is where this is what he does. He follows. He obeys the command of Jesus. He follows him. Jesus' call to follow him is not a call, obviously, to stay where we are. It's a call to go where Jesus is going. It's a call to go where Jesus is going and to do what Jesus is doing, to be a part of his work every day. Matthew made the choice to leave his former way of living behind and turn to the master he wanted Jesus to lead. What if our prayer every day was simply this? Lord, would you lead me today? Would you lead my life? Would you lead my actions? Would you lead my attitude? Would you lead in the things I'm involved in, my activities today? If you'll lead Jesus, I will follow. What if we made that our prayer today? If we would get up and leave everything behind and simply ask Jesus to lead us 
It's a prayer that Jesus wants to answer for you and for me, but really for everyone, right? Lead me. Matthew's call to follow Jesus didn't end with Matthew. As he obeyed, it's amazing how this happens. As he obeyed, Matthew quickly realizes that there were others around him who need to have an encounter with Jesus. You see, that's what happens when, when we do what Matthew did, when Jesus extends us his call to follow, and we get up and we leave those things behind and we begin to follow Jesus. What happens is we experience this transformation in our lives and the work of Christ begins afresh and we can't contain it. Because notice what Matthew does. He shares Jesus. This is his response. He wanted others to know. Verse 29, right? The very next thing we're told about Matthew, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Matthew, his response to following Jesus is to share with other people, say, hey, I want you to come, I want you to meet somebody. I want you to encounter somebody that has changed my life. And Matthew reaches out to others to come to his home. And they have an encounter with Jesus. The natural outflow of following Christ should be a desire for other people to experience what we have experienced. There should be in the heart of every believer, every Christ follower, a burning desire for others to know what we know, for others to experience what we have experienced. Why wouldn't we want everyone around us to experience the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus? Why wouldn't we want everybody to know that there is a way that you can be set free from your past no matter what it looks like? Why wouldn't we want them to know that you can have eternal life, a life forever and ever and ever with Jesus Christ? Why wouldn't we want them to know that? And Matthew, his response is, I want everybody that I know, and look who he knows. This is another proof that he'd probably been excommunicated because who does he invite? He invites other tax collectors. And I believe part of the reason he does that is because they'd, have con they'd had conversations like this. You know, I regret a lot of the things that I'd done, but I just don't see a way out. What do tax collectors talk about when they get together? All the bad that they'd done? And don't you imagine that every once in a while when two of them were together and nobody else was around, they would talk about how remorseful they were and how they wished there was a way out, but there's just no way out. Why do you say that? Because I remember some of those conversations with some buddies of mine. Matthew experiences this, and he says, hey, I want you to come. I want you to meet Jesus. And this desire... This desire for others to meet him put Jesus right in the room with these guys. Can I just remind you, we believe on this side of the cross that as we follow Jesus Christ and surrender our lives completely, that the spirit of Jesus lives in us. And then I have to remind you that if the spirit of Jesus lives in you, the Holy Spirit lives in you today, then everywhere you go, guess what? Jesus goes too. When people have an encounter with you, they should have an encounter with the risen Christ, amen? A couple of you believe that. An encounter with Jesus. What people have you encountered this week? And what did they encounter when they encountered you? What happened in those moments? Was Jesus lifted up? 
Did they see the hope of Jesus being lived out in you? Did they see the love of Jesus being extended through you? Not because you did anything special, just because you're living for him. I have to remind you today, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit-filled life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what everybody should encounter when they encounter us. Why? Because Jesus lives in us. His Spirit rules and reigns. It's an encounter with Jesus when they encounter you. Matthew had to invite him to his home, and we should do that. But when we do it, it's Jesus through us. Matthew's response to follow Jesus was a continual response. It started with him, but it spills over into the lives of those around him. We have so many excuses. We have so many excuses why Christ doesn't spill out of us the way that we hoped he would. Can I just remind you that age isn't an excuse? No matter how young we are, no matter where we are spiritually in our growth. I was thinking this week about Kendra when she was about 12. The life that she lived out in her faith at 12 years old. At school, she had a friend that was struggling with some things and Kendra would listen to her and she said, Dad, I just felt like I needed to invite her to come to church with me. And so her friend came to church with her. It's her first exposure to church and to the Lord, but she started to come. And in those moments and through the friendship of Kendra, her life began to change and she accepted Christ. Twelve years old. Life pouring out. But the story didn't end there because you see this little girl that, that came to know the Lord, her parents began to see a difference in her. See, we can't contain it. When we really get a hold of Jesus Christ, when he really transforms us, when he really changes us, we can't contain it. It's a natural outflow of what the Spirit is doing in us. And so her parents began to say, what in the world is going on? It's got to be church because that's the thing that has changed, and yet it wasn't church so much as it was Jesus Christ. And, and so mom came with her one Sunday, and it wasn't too long, and she gave her heart to the Lord. And then stepdad came and gave his heart to the Lord. And now it's been a few years, and can I tell you, they're still following Jesus. Kendra moved away. But Jesus is still there, and he's still working, and he's still helping. I called Jaron last night. My son, he's speaking at a church this morning, uh, sharing about his mission trip this summer. I called him last night because I was thinking about this. Jesus, Jaron was 18, and he went to work at Dairy Queen. Went to work at Dairy Queen because Dad wouldn't give him gas money or pay his insurance. That's what was on my mind. But was, what was on God's mind is that he wanted Jaron at Dairy Queen because his manager began to notice that there's something different about this young guy. He shows up and he does his job and he doesn't complain and he doesn't go out back with the other guys. And so one day it was just the two of them. They were closing the this, this store and his boss, his manager began to say, there's something different about you. There's, some, there's something different about you. 
like you don't, and he began to name all the things that Jaron didn't. And Jaron didn't say it like this, but as Jaron responded, I know that it had to be in his mind. You know what? I never really thought about all that. I never really thought about all the things I don't. What I can tell you is, I'm a Christian and I live for Jesus. Conversations continued and it wasn't long that Jaron and his manager are sitting in my office at the church and we're sharing with him how he can become a Christian. Jaron began to have devotions with him and it wasn't long and this young man who was in the reserves uh, joined the, the, the uh, armed services and he moved away. And as Jaron and I were talking last night, he's like, you know, Dad, I still pray for him. I'm still trusting that the seed that was planted, that God is growing. How'd that happen? It happened because people had an encounter with Jesus. He may never, that guy may never remember Jaron's name, but he will never forget the encounter. And can I just remind you today that just like Matthew, our responsibility has to be in response to all that Jesus has done for us, to live every day, to live every day realizing that Jesus wants to work through you and he wants to work through me to change the hearts and lives of people around us. That's why we can't pass by on the other side. That's why we can't write people off because we never know, even in those moments of the people who have rubbed us wrong and who have, who have done things that have hurt us, even in those moments, Jesus Christ can work to extend his grace through us. And we stand in awe. We stand in awe. If you've experienced that, if you've lived that, you stand in awe and you're changed forever. And you realize that it's only the love of Christ that can transform us in such a way that we can love the way that Jesus loved Matthew. And that comes as we walk in close relationship to him and we desire to follow him wherever he leads so that the transformation in our lives can continue day by day by day. The cause that we live for the cause that we live for must be to know Christ and to make him known. To know him, to walk with him, to follow him, and to make him known. To live in such a way that others around us know Jesus Christ. That must be our cause. So I invite you this morning. Would you seek him afresh? Would you heed his call to follow? He's, 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 I just believe it this morning. I sense it. He, he's drawing. Will you follow him? And maybe if you're following him and you look at your life and you realize that the encounters that people had this week with you didn't reflect the encounter that you know Christ wants and you just want to come and ask for his help and a fresh infilling of his spirit, I want you to know today that he's calling and that we can follow Matthew's example. Would you stand with me? Pastor Nathan, those that are going to help. Father, we love you this morning. And we're thankful for your Holy Spirit that speaks to us. We're grateful for day, today for encounters with you. And right now we're experiencing that. You're passing by. You're here in this place. You're calling out. You're drawing us to you this morning. Help us not to hold back today. Help us to step out. Help us to leave everything behind and just follow you completely and fully. 
We love you, Jesus, and we're thankful that you're calling, that you're faithful to us. Help us to respond. We love you, Jesus, and we give you praise. Let's raise your sins.